Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, Paul, what's going on? So I got a uh, Dutch oven for Father's Day yesterday. and Yeah? Have you used it? Yeah, not... <sighs> yes, I'm a, using it right now. Is it a Le Creuset? It's from La Sur or Sur La Table. So it's is, French. Uh, yeah, well, all the best cooking... Yeah, comes from France, right? In or Italy, which yeah, I'm both. So they're know. anyway. No, I'm making well, making they're, a. They're providing roast. something for this world. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's um, they have nice automobiles. At least the, the Italians do. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm making a pot roast with some potatoes, carrots, onions, some some aromatics. Get some rosemary and sage and thyme in there, and it smells. Yeah. The house smells awesome. So. Nice, man. Well, good, good. Yeah, so we just celebrated Father's Day, right? I don't know if you said that or not. So, yeah, I got a really nice watch. Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah, real nice. So I don't, it, it doesn't fit. I have to take it in. I might try to take it in today and get it, get a link or two take it, taken out. Sure. So I can start wearing it. But yeah, I've been looking at watches and I've got a gold next year. There's a Breitling I have my eye on that, you know, if I hit certain goals and earn it, then I'll go get it. But in the meantime, this one's, this is the nicest watch I've ever owned. Hannah did a good job. She's got an uncle who lives in the area and he's a big watch guy. He's got, I don't know, dozens of really expensive watches. So she called in the big guns and had him help her out. Heck yeah. That's a yeah. good gift. And that's yeah. something that can be handed down generationally, a nice watch. Yeah. Yeah. If I take care of it, for sure. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Cool. Um, well, I'm in the model home again across the street because my house is loud. So, hopefully yeah, I like that little okay. nook behind you. That's that's nice. There's some floating yeah, this shelves. This house is really cool. A lot of really cool character. Um, real special things. It's smaller than than ours. It, not enough bedrooms over here for us. But yeah, it's really cool. How many bedrooms do you have? Six. Five. Five. Yeah, everybody sharing a room except one person. So, and then, but, you know, two years from now, we'll have one kid move out, and then the next year another, and then the next year another. So, eventually, everybody will have their own rooms. Or they're paying long. rent. Or they're paying rent, yes, right. to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, market rent. Market rent, that's right. <laughs> Not that EBT platinum rent. Yeah, yeah, because these boys eat a lot of food, so. Yep. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Let's get started. Let's see. Uh, we uh, we had a comment come in on one of our videos from a couple months ago. Um, so yeah, it was our think is our think tank video. Yeah, yeah. And you did uh, some responding back and forth. So just to let people know, we go back and forth on these on these uh, comments. So bring them in. Let's talk about them. So I'll let you uh, once you take that and kind of see what where did that conversation lead. Well, I don't know. Um, 
I'm I'm satisfied with with my responses. Um, and it was a it was a you know a good comment. Um, and then it kind of turned. You know, I I don't like when someone says you know in the in, in a response, you're being dishonest. Well, first of all, you don't know me from Adam. I'm not being dishonest. This is just your perception of policy design. You think you're correct that the you know, and this is a folks, this is a 10% to the base, 90% of the PUA discussion. Dave and I have talked about it a few times at least. Other yeah. podcasters that we're friends with have talked about it as well in dedicated episodes to it. And I think James and Ryan are gonna to dedicate to an episode specifically to it again coming up to really deconstruct all that is wrong with that way of thinking. So that was yeah. the crux of the discussion. Um, and I, th I think either I might have mistyped something or he misunderstood what I was saying. I referenced, you know, Nelson's original policies going back to the 1950s did not have a PUA rider. The ones that exist in Becoming Your Own Banker written in 2000 did. And I think he right. confused um, what I what I was saying. Um, so just to clarify, the the policies illustrated in here, and again, Nelson said he would leave the illustrations out if he could write the book again, right? But those have PUA writers in them. Right. Which is but, where the, you, you get that early cash value growth. Correct. And that's, and for those of you, you know, own policies, been listening for a while, the PUA rider provides the bulk. It provides all of the immediate cash value, right, Dave? And then, you know, mm -hmm. on the anniversary, when the second premium is paid, the, the company will pay, if declared, the the dividend, the dividend for that year, which will also add cash value. Um, right. And the policies that we generally use for IBC design policies, which are all of them, <laughs> um, pay premium or pay a dividend on base on the base premium and the PUA premium. So right. that's. But anyway, bottom line, we got into a little discussion about it. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. If you want to have. If this guy wants to have 10 base 90 PUA policies and his as, as the way he does it, and I know some folks that this is the only way they do it, that's fine. But he, hear this. That illustration is out of date the minute you ran it. You have no idea what next year's dividend is going to be. You have no idea if you're going to change the mode of premium. You have no idea what the dividend is going to be 10 years from now. In yeah. the illustration, there is verbiage, and that's written by attorneys and actuaries, that says a bunch of things that say, in the mech section, when it's describing what that is, that if you change certain things, or if certain assumptions aren't met, the policy could become a mech. Why do you think that language is in there? It's not just a CYA for the company. They're telling you, this is, this could occur. occur. And the smaller that corridor is between the mech line and not a mech, the more likely that scenario is going to occur. Right. It's like playing the game Operation. You remember that one where you got those yeah. little tweezers and, and you're trying to pull that little piece out of that little hole on the, uh, you know, on that, that dude. And uh, <clears throat> ah, you, you, you move your hand just a tiny bit. You hit the edge and it buzzes, right? And you yep. lose. You become a mech. So that's kind of how I, I envision that. But, um, you know, and I think I've never had a client that, that has stopped paying their PUA, right? They pay their full premium base and PUA, 
Because, and what do I attribute that to? I attribute that to clients who are educated. I also don't have a single 1090 policy written ever, even on myself. So these clients, our clients are coming in educated. They understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And they pay their full premium. And many of them are, are trying to pay even the extra PUA that sometimes is available in any given year when you call the company and say, hey, is there extra room this year? Um, they're trying to maximize that. I know other producers who have clients who have, for one reason or another, dropped down to paying just the base because, oh, hey, the PUA is optional. I'm not getting a lot of cash flow this year. I'm just going to drop down to the base. Well, what happens after they do that? Uh, there's one situation I was talking to them. They've already passed the seven years and they, they even stopped paying the PUA writer. They just paid the base premium. So now they can't even add that writer back without going through underwriting again. That's a fact. Like you stop paying that writer, it's gone for good unless you go through underwriting again. And so this is what I think happens a lot of times to these producers who are out there just promoting 1090, 1090, 1090. Um, They don't care how educated you are about infinite banking. They just want they'll, they'll rip the policy, you know, put it in force for you. And then I'm betting a lot of these people end up saying, oh, well, shoot, that's a $50,000 policy. I only need to pay $5,000 this year. So I'm just going to pay five. And then a couple of years go by and guess what? It looks nothing like the illustration, nothing at all. And they can't catch up. You know, there's that seven pay, you know, they take the average of the, the PUA you paid over the first seven years. And that's the max you can fund going for eight years, eight and beyond. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I thought I could fund 50K. Now I can only fund 15K for the rest of the policy. It's going to look nothing like you thought it would. Um, so that's that's just what I I have a feeling is going on with a good number of those clients who just say, hey, I want the 1090. They Because they don't understand it, they're not going to fully fund it because it's optional, right? And when you give somebody an option, Unless they really truly understand it, they're probably going to take the option that requires less out of pocket money, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, it's it's just part of the. There's a lot of overlapping things in this industry. The 1090 IUL for IBC for infinite banking concept use, um, but I think it's all part of that of the just flawed mentality, and I think this 1090 stuff is kind of like a. I, I feel you're right. The the, the client's going to have like this buy term and invest the difference mentality and like, ah, and then the difference gets spent, never gets invested. This is the same thing. The PUA never gets paid and then exactly. it falls off. Right. right. And then you have a little tiny base policy that has whatever, you know, if it was $100,000, you have $10,000 of base now that you can pay. Like, Well, and now you have all this, all this extra capital that needs to be, it needs to reside somewhere. But you can only put a fraction of it towards this policy unless you go open a new policy and go through underwriting again at an older age and potentially less health or even uninsurable at that point, right? So, yeah. And you've heard us say before, and I think this is fundamental to to what Nelson taught, is you want the contractual right to pay high premium for as long as possible. And let's face it, what's the average age of the people that we get as clients? Probably our age. About our age, right. Right, probably thirty-seven yep. to forty-five is yeah. probably the average. That's a long time to pay premium if you're thirty-seven years old. Yep. Just ask any, ask any sixty-five-year-old. You know, they'll call you a kid. 
you know, if you're 37 years old, you're just a kid. That's right. And because, you know, that's, there's a big, there's, there's a long time gap there. And 65 yeah, year olds are young. That's young these days. Yep. We're talking 50 or 60 years of premium. And I, you know, I played around with some illustrations this morning just to, just to, just to do it. And no question that 1090 is going to look great early on. Sure. It's going to look great. Yeah. But eventually, and all I ran an all base. The all base is going to overtake it. And cash value, death benefit, and the one I ran, it was, it was difference of millions of dollars. Yeah. Of cash value and death benefit later in life, and I ran. I think I went out to my grandmother's age. My grandmother just turned ninety six years old, takes no meds, super healthy, probably going to live past a hundred. And I have another client who's had two grandmothers live past, who are past 100. Man, can you imagine their dividends if they had these policies for 60 years? Huge. Oh my gosh. And I'm not saying that the the 1090 or the 99 or the 199 look (laughs) horrible, but they're likely not going to occur. One, for human behavior. Two, because... If dividends go up, maybe, you know, if something changes, you're not going to be able to pay the illustrated premium. And that's the whole point is, folks, is the future is unknown. Why would you risk? If you want to pay $100,000 a premium, why wouldn't you want to pay that amount or close to that amount for as long as possible? You're you're missing the whole point. Right. And if, and if you want to come like, well, I'm just in it for the early cash value. Well, that's fine. But cash value is a function of death benefit. At age 121, the cash value and the death benefit are the same number. So if I'm going to have more death benefit later in life, that means I'm going to have more cash value. Right. Because, yeah, so that's another common misunderstanding, especially people who probably promote this 1090. They they separate. They act like there's two accounts. There's your cash value account. There's your death benefit. <laughs> there's the insurance company's money. And then there's your money. Make no mistake. Any dollar you send to the insurance company is their money. That is not, it, with a whole life policy, that's not taken and set set aside in a cash value account with your name on it. That cash value rep- simply just represents the amount of the death benefit you have access to today, the amount of equity you've built in that death benefit. So do you want a small death benefit or a large death benefit? Because the cash value is a function of the death benefit, period. Yep, no question. Uh, the The other thing is, is when you had so much PUA, that that PUA premium is adding a a lot of term insurance, and depending a on lot. the company, it could be a level long term level um, term rider, or it could be a blended PUA rider from a few companies that are that are doing those things. That has a cost. Yeah. In yep. That that's eating into. The cash value, and do you ever cost of that insurance? Do you ever get that money back for the term insurance? I mean, term insurance is just that it's you pay that money and it's gone. It goes towards that death benefit. That to in order to recapture that, you're going to have to to die early. Correct. Yeah, because it eventually falls off. Because it eventually falls off, and you don't get to recover that the cash that went to pay for that death benefit, that term insurance. It's just, you know, it's taken away 
from purchasing more permanent death benefit, increasing the death benefit, thus increasing the cash value. That's yep. now it's very important. Like yes. we of course have term riders on all these policies um, because that allows you to to stay far away from that mech line or you know or snuggle up as close to it as possible. Um, but you know, still uh, you need that to to be able to fund as much premium as everybody wants to put in to these policies in the first place. That's right. Yeah. So good. Well, I think that was a pretty good revisit to that argument. And I like, you know, we'll definitely promote those other um, podcast episodes when they come out on, on this whole breakdown on the structure there. Um, Cause you know, we, hopefully we're not the only people you listen to. Um, you know, we might be, hopefully we're the, the podcast you listen to the most, but there's, there's some really good sources out there for, for some really legitimate information as well that, that you're going to hear from, you know, different perspectives, but it's still teaching the fundamental principles that, that Nelson taught. Yep. No question. And getting back to, to, to Nelson real quick, you know, we ought not twist his words. Right. He didn't talk about direct recognition, non-direct recognition. He didn't talk about 10 to the base, 9 to the PUA or 30 to the base. He didn't he didn't talk about any of that. Generically, he said, you know, minimize death benefit relative to premium paid, I guess, to, to kind of summarize. Yeah. Well, by buying a policy with a PUA rider, you are doing that. And I'm yeah. fairly certain Nelson would agree, and the Nel the Institute would agree, of which we are members, that going to extreme either way, I'm not saying I would do an all-base policy either. Right. There's disadvantages to that as well. But going so extreme in that PUA rider is just risky to the client. And I was speaking with, and I'm gonna, I'll wrap this up, I was speaking with one of our favorite people the other day, who is the, the guy we're trying to be like in the business, I would say. Yeah. And I want to, I want to be able to shoot like him too. When we go hunting. Well, any, you have nowhere to go, but up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Thanks for letting everybody know that. Want yeah. to get some video. I need a new and, shotgun. Yeah. That's what you, yeah. that's what you should have bought you. Yeah. But anyway, you can still get, you, you deserve many gifts. The one I have um, is for home defense. That's it. Yes, great for people. I have one of those too, but yeah, and I've never shot a, a bird with it. Uh, well, I've shot. I, I shot, shot a, a bird with your shotgun four times. Yeah, I, I might have shot a hen or two. There you go. You never miss. Yeah, you never miss. Yeah, <laughs> you never miss the hens. <laughs> <laughs> I got a hen too. <laughs> but anyway, um, but this this person. Out of you know probably the, the hundreds or if not thousands of policies that are issued every year under their business, there's a couple. There might be a couple of of these types of policies, right? They make their client sign a a piece of paper acknowledging, basically, I think the the fundamental flaws of too much PUA relative to base premium, and I think that's that's telling. For someone who has been around the industry for a long time, knows knows the back end of how everything is working, and is 
waving the red flag saying, hey, my recommend, my expert recommendation is that you do not do this. It's like they're being released on their own recognizance, recognizance right? From a yeah. mental institution, kind of like, you know, my professional uh, opinion as a medical professional is that you need to stay here a little bit longer. But if you want to release self-release, you better sign this acknowledgement saying sign. Yep. This, you know, you're doing this against our uh, professional opinion, not personal opinion, professional opinion, professional. I, and again, if I thought that was the, the end all be all to infinite banking concept policy design, all seven of my policies would look like that. Alas, exactly. Right. Not one of them does. Right. So, but according to this guy, I'm probably screwing myself. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm out to do. Yes. I just don't know enough. Now I'm getting personal. But anyway, it's fine. God bless yeah. you. Good luck. Yep. All right. Well, good. Again, I think that was a pretty good summary. That took up you know more than half of our podcast. But it's it's a topic worth revisiting probably time and again, because people continue to get bombarded with that as it becomes more quote unquote mainstream um, in the IBC world, even though it's not IBC authorized or approved um, that kind of, you know, that kind of promotion. Yeah. So one, yeah. one more thing is that at the, at the conference we were just at, we spoke to a couple of agents that used to write for a certain company that, that had demutualized and a lot of the policies they had written back then because they looked great were IULs. And how much regret did these agents have that they wrote all of this IUL business back then because it was this new hot thing, it was going to be great, just like Variable Universal Life or just like Universal Life before that. None of those things have ended up being true. So I don't want to go... 40 years from now and we're old and I have a client that says this policy mecked on me in year 28 or whatever. I don't want to have that phone call. Right. Me neither. Yeah. And, and luckily we won't. And that's right. You know, a lot of these the, agents the, will, <laughs> a lot of these agents will, but they probably won't be in the business by then anyway. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to be in the business 50 years from now, but somebody maybe in my lineage will be. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm anyway. actually second generation life insurance agent, which is. Uh, <laughs> which I is am funny. too. Yeah, My grandfather was a John Hancock guy. Dude, there's so many guys you talk to, so, so many older gentlemen who, who I've talked to, and they're like, yeah, I used to sell life insurance back in the day. And I think that's, there's a lot of people that used to sell life insurance and they did it for a couple of years, maybe. That's it. Yeah, I, you only. You only don't, you only get out of it, if, I, I think, if you're not, like, I think infinite, the infinite banking concept business is great business. It's great business for the company, the consumer, and the agent. It's a win-win-win. It's a, it's a triple win. Um, you get highly educated clients, a limited number of them, right? This isn't, you know, buy term and invested difference when you're ripping, you know, 10,000 policies a year or something. I'm right. We're not about volume. But, We're, yeah, quantity, quality over quantity for sure. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's educated and, and informed business, which is why it's good business. And yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, and it's fun to do. You get to hang out or uh, you know have conversations with a lot of people uh, that that oftentimes think very in line with you about many many topics. Yeah, it's a small island, but it's a 
it's a it's a fortified island to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you bring up something about, you know, finding win-win opportunities or even win-win-win. You know, there's uh kind of reminds me of um I was reading one of Garrett Gunderson's books. He's got Killing Sacred Cows, which I recommend everybody, and then Disrupting Sacred Cows, which I also recommend. It's more like a emotionally based, but there's still some very good things on, you know, one thing that stuck out of that one is he talked about win the game and then play, not play to win or compete, like win the game and then play. And that's how I kind of, that's really how I think of, of IBC is you're winning the game of banking from the get-go. If you do this properly and you think long-term and you're not afraid to capitalize, you're going to win the game. Then it's just a matter of time, um, you know, before you're capitalized, you're ready to to actually start playing, right? Some That's people right. want to start playing right away, but some people it's going to take several years to capitalize and be able to start playing. But by time you start playing, you've already won because you've already taken over the banking function. It's not a zero sum game anymore where somebody loses and somebody wins. You're winning, the insurance company's winning, which you want them to win because you're an owner, right? That's right. You want them to win. Just like if this is your own business, would you, do you want your own business to win? Yes, because if they win, you win. Um, and then, the, you know, we win too because we get to work with very educated people. Um, we get to do this as a business, which means, yeah, we get to create a living for ourselves. And if we couldn't, if we, if we didn't, make enough money to provide a living to feed our family and, you know, and create the life we want to create, I would not be in this business because I can't do charity work and feed my family. Nope. Right? No, you can't. But now I get to Certainly do something I enjoy. Certainly wouldn't be producing would... a podcast either. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but getting to do something you enjoy with people that you enjoy and make a living at the same time. I love it. Dude, I I have nothing to add to that. That's that's why that's why we're here. And many of you that have talked to either Dave or me or both, um, you know, you know we truly enjoy speaking with you. And those light bulb moments are just, you know, they're fantastic. They're, and they're so they're just they're so sad. It makes makes everything worth it for the ones that just don't ever get it. You know that you know you have to fire. We fire people, by the way. We fire clients. I've got a guy that's 0 for 2. So he's batting zero. I don't know if he comes back a third time if I will accept him as a client. I might go I, push him somewhere else. I've got the same. Somebody who, yep, didn't fund their policy the first time when it was approved, came back a second time. I said, they're ready. Okay, let's do it. Second time comes, still didn't fund it. Although this, in this case, I think their money was tied up in some crypto scam. So they couldn't get access to it. Um, but still, that's that's a whole lot of time that that you wasted of mine that I could have been using to help somebody who wanted to actually do this. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. If they come back, I'm a super nice guy, really like him, probably steer him to somebody else. Yeah, you could steer him to me. I'll tell him <laughs> I'll tell him something. All right. Yeah. Well uh yeah, and you could do the same. Yeah, I yeah. You know, I was fairly blunt. You got you know me, like <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Um it's kind of um, you know, IBC amnesia or 
IBC attention deficit disorder or something. I, I'm not really sure what, what the problem is. Um, there's still some folks that will likely never understand what is going on. And therefore, they don't know what to do, which is pay high premium relative to their income. That is yeah. what we ought to be doing, all of us. Um, yep. And then there's those who get it, man. Like I love working. We've got some shared clients right now who were, uh, you know, I try to, I don't talk to people like they're, they're babies in this stage, you know, but I, I talk mm -hmm. to people like, hey, this is your first policy. You're, you're brand new to this. Let's, let me help you along. Well, no, man, they're off to the races, like sprinting ahead of me saying, let's do this. Let's go this far and let's dive in head first and, and uh, into the deep end. And they do it. And some I'll let and some, some I would try to pull back. But in this case, you know, you got some educated people who are motivated and, <laughs> and they see the long game and they want to play the long game and they can't get started soon enough. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. It would just be nice if there were more of those people, but I, I was talking to someone earlier. Um, he's one of our shared clients. He's getting his green beret this week. And I told him, you know, people who do IBC are the top, you know, top 1% of the top 1% as far as the muscle that's in between here, right? The way they think. Absol yeah. Absolutely. And there, there's just not a lot of them. There's just not a lot of them out there. And um, on the flip side, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, people outside the NNI, I think, that are spreading the message properly. I'll just leave it right. at that. There's a lot of yeah. just, and that's part of the, the noise. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't appreciate it either because it, you know, it gives, gives the industry a bad name. But anyway. Yeah. Um, well, so, no, I think we'll finish by maybe urging everybody to, you know, in the case of people who want the, the 1090, going back to that discussion, stop rushing to get rich. Like I would say your most productive years are ahead of you, not behind you. Um, especially if you're the age of our average clients, you know, late thirties, early forties, your most productive years are absolutely ahead of you. I mean, I think my fifties will be more productive than my forties and my sixties more productive than my fifties, even while probably putting out less effort. Yeah. That sounds great by the way. Yeah, I like that. Become more productive every year and reduce the amount of effort you put into it every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is not a, like Dave said, this is, it's not a get rich quick thing. If, if you need that much liquidity in year one and you've, Dave, you've all heard Dave say this before, well, put your money in a savings account. Yep. Why not? If you're so worried about liquidity. You're not going to lose. Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say you're not going to lose any cash putting it in a savings account. Um, yeah. One other thing that just popped into my brain about you know these massive PUA dumps and then immediate policy loan is if something goes wrong and that policy collapses because they don't repay the loan and it outpaces the, you know, the growth of the policy, right? And the policy collapses, guess what? That's a taxable event, probably. Yeah. More than likely a taxable event. So anyway, yeah, don't so do that. Play honest banker, right? And slow and certain beats quick and risky. That's the way I look yeah. at it. I'd love to see some data on how many of those scenarios do occur, just like I explained. Yeah.
Yeah, maybe so excited. Can... Ton of PUA. A couple of years later, thirty-six month persistency, zero percent. Yeah, policies collapse. Yeah, maybe we can get some insight on that. But that's not going to happen with our clients. Nope, plenty of base. Yeah. All about that base. All about the base. You know, the case for base episode fifty-seven. So look it up. I'm pretty sure that's the episode number. So, well, all right. I think that about sums it up, huh? Yeah, I think I said enough. I think this was a good episode. Um, again, you know, people are going to have their opinions. They don't bother me at all. Um, they used to a couple years ago when I was kind of new and whatever. But, uh, you know, we know what we know. And, uh, you know, again, best of luck to you on, on the 1090. Hope it works out. Right. Right. And, you know, the most important thing, don't forget, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the ibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.